Welcome back to They Talk Sex Podcast. This is the Herpes and Relationships Episode 2. Our good friend Courtney Brame is back. Hi, Courtney. Hello. Hello. Thank you for joining me last minute. There's only two more episodes left of this season of They Talk Sex Podcast. If you keep uh, listening to the show and telling me how you like it, then maybe we'll keep producing. We're going to talk about herpes today, Courtney's website, which you should definitely check out if you haven't the first time Courtney was a guest on this show, is spfpp.org, and that stands for Something Positive for Positive People, Herpes Positive. You can email Courtney at spfpp.org and social media on Instagram and TikTok. He is Courtney Brame underscore. And you've got so many uh, shirtless videos and uh, selfies <laughs> that might motivate some of the people. For the algorithm. I do it for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you <laughs> say that? Like your stuff performs better when you're shirtless? Whenever I have my shirt off and talk about anything, I get way more views. Yes. Oh, my God. I I love that. But I also like when you're entertaining the people, are they actually learning? Sometimes. Right. So even uh, maybe it has something to do with the content, too. But I have a video where Neo, all because of you, is playing in the background. And I'm walking around this nice house, like eating a bag of Doritos. And the song is dedicated to the bag of Doritos. So that <laughs> itself probably has done better than a lot of my herpes content that isn't in a major publication. So anytime mm -hmm. I'm in like a major publication, those posts do well. But then anything that has nothing to do with herpes, where my shirt's off, like me eating a bag of Doritos or singing karaoke, those get uh, a lot of visibility. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think um, someone, a few people told me they really liked me, uh, the video, the TikTok of me, my boyfriend catching me using my vibrator. That was hilarious. <laughs> you saw it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So what is my TikTok? Oh, gosh, I have to look it up. Anyway, we'll get back to that later. So what projects are you working on at this moment? Something Positive for Positive People started out as a suicide prevention resource, right, for people who had recently or at some point been diagnosed and it had been really stigmatizing and negative for them, correct? Yeah, I, I say suicide prevention awareness um, because mm. it's not necessarily suicide prevention. Um, right, but just bring true. awareness to that people who have experienced a herpes diagnosis were expressing suicide ideation. Um, to answer your question, one of the things that I'm working on right now is a survey um, for people who are living with herpes to share their experience with antivirals and uh, their length and durations of outbreaks and their experiences with stigma. And uh, just because this stood out to me, what was a big deal to me so far we've got about 600 responses the goal is to get to 2000 by the end of the mm. year and mm. about 48 percent of people at this point have expressed that they had suicide ideation after their diagnosis but what's interesting as a follow-up question is did you experience suicide ideation prior to your diagnosis and it was 40 something percent of people who had so there is huh. definitely some sort of a correlation there that's worth going into. But that's the survey. Um, I'm also, uh, I completed the first draft of 
a something positive for positive people book for people who might not want to listen to 300 something podcast episodes to get the information. <laughs> so I've condensed a lot of the important components of what something positive for positive people has been putting out there into a book. So I'm getting, I'm working with my editor right now to go through and clean it up so that it'll be ready for publishing. And then last but not least, all right, mark your calendars. May 23rd, 2024 will be the five-year anniversary of Something mm. Positive for Positive People as a nonprofit. I've been running it for seven years now almost. But on this year, on this date, I am going to host a virtual conference. I am in the process of getting the rates for the speakers that I want to attend. But at this conference, I will be presenting the data from the survey, as well as offering people some uh, who attend and have bought tickets because I'm selling tickets, uh, giving people mm -hmm. disclosure guides, uh, as well as information from this survey that they can use uh, with their healthcare professionals, with people mm. that they are wanting to be intimate with. And for people who might not have herpes, but need some general information without feeling overwhelmed, to be able to get this information um, directly from people's lived experiences navigating herpes stigma rather than you know someone being told by a potential partner hey i have herpes go look it up and then they find everything on the internet get overwhelmed and then decide ah this isn't worth it so mm -hmm. those are my big three things that i'm working on and of course i'm consistently producing podcast episodes on a weekly basis uh something positive for positive people on all listening platforms Oh my goodness. So I took your, I took your little survey. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I took your survey while I was in the midst of my very first genital herpes outbreak ever. Welcome to the cool uh, kids club. I felt, <laughs> I felt so lucky to know you and to be able to see so much information because it was so different for me. 10 years ago, 20 years ago, because I had so much information to normalize, like not only how many people get herpes, but also that it's normal for it to just be unpleasant, you know, but also a part of life. Um, it was just really helpful for me. Like, I can't imagine being suicidal over herpes, but it was a, I understand why some people are because they've been pushed to feel that way. Um, I don't want to talk too much about me, but I will say that as a sex worker and adult entertainer who had a, in the doctor's words, clinically massive outbreak, <laughs> they're like, this is, a, this is a big one, even for like a first time, because I know the first time can be the most significant for a lot of people, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh-huh. Uh, what so, a word choice. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Well, I, they were both delightful. So what, so first of all, it, I lost money. And I lost work opportunities. And then my earning stats on the platforms that I work off of went down because I wasn't able to take pictures of or video of my pussy or do sexting the same way. So now as I'm seeking to work on a different webcam platform, they want to see my stats and I have to explain, well, they're going to be lower. And this is when I try to argue what rate they should pay me as a flat. So as a sex worker, it's been very disruptive to me, to my income. Um, to my like future income, but I'll survive it. Um, and then just like physically uncomfortable. 
Um, and I kind of had to disassociate a little bit to where I started. I've had such a deep, good relationship with my bottom half, with my genitals. Like masturbation's always been a source of comfort for me, but to feel like I have to be very like transmission aware, like, oh, I just touched my pussy because I'm going to sleep. Does this mean like, should I probably go wash my hands now in case I'm going to like rub my eyes? Yes. Like there's still things that have come up for me, right? I want to first thank you for sharing your experience as a sex worker. And I also want to say thank you for uh, sharing that experience about like masturbating and going right to sleep, because that part is something that I dealt with shortly after my diagnosis. I would not masturbate and then go to sleep right away. I felt like I needed to go wash my hands. Right. But the first time I masturbated and just like had that good session and just passed out and I woke Mm -hmm. up like, went to the bathroom. I'm like rubbing my eyes so I can see. I had a moment where I was like, oh my God, I'm going to go blind. And it didn't happen. And I've <laughs> been beating my meat ever since then and going to sleep. And it's not been an issue, you know? Um, can that happen though? Now I don't, I mean, I'm not a doctor. So here's the thing. You are most contagious during an outbreak. All right. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. are not as contagious when you don't have symptoms, but it's still possible. I don't know anyone who's been like, yeah, you know, I masturbated during an outbreak and touched my eye and I went blind. I've I've not seen Mm -hmm. that, but it's just a general rule of thumb practicing good hygiene. If you Mm -hmm. know that there is a virus present on an area of the body, you will practice just good hygiene of knowing, okay, well, I might have exposed myself to this virus, you know, at a more high shedding load moment. So let me go wash my hands and let me not Mm. cross transmit. This is just Mm -hmm. general common sense, but also something that, you know, gets amplified in the thought process as someone who has herpes, because we don't hear from people who uh, have had experiences, which more people have had, where they've masturbated, gone to sleep, rubbed their eyes in the morning, and it's been fine. But we'll hear about (laughs) how, oh, this person got herpes on their hand. And if they touch their eye, like, you know, it's just such a a very low um, likelihood, but because Mm. of the dramatic effect, it's going to have more visibility than someone who had sex with someone who has herpes and didn't get herpes. And that that's a whole separate conversation, but I don't want to like, you know, control the flow of your podcast, Uh, (laughs) but touching. No, we both big talkers. Okay. But I wanted to touch on the sex work thing because so many people don't realize how many different ways herpes stigma can impact a person. And so with sex Mm -hmm. work specifically, like you mentioned it flat out and directly that this impacts your income. I've heard from Mm -hmm. adult performers and sex workers who they can't disclose their status or won't disclose their status because of that fear of being Mm -hmm. stigmatized, maybe not having clients or being ostracized or blacklisted from the Mm -hmm. industry that they're in. And these are real legitimate concerns, but that also doesn't mean that, uh, you know, all sex workers are not having these conversations or are not uh, practicing whatever their definition of safe sex is. So um, when I heard you just share that you've lost income, I think that that puts more real experiences out there because these people who work in sex work won't have this conversation with me because of that genuine fear 
of uh like they won't be on a podcast let me say that yeah no if their fans are listening mm-hmm. right no if their fans are listening you don't want to lose money by being less attractive to your fans um which is typically a rule of thumb and that's why i debated until five minutes before we started recording about whether or not i was going to talk about my experience at all um i think at this point my audience is used to hearing so much of the nitty-gritty of my life that it's kind of been like self-selecting like if they are going to think I'm repulsive at this point, then I guess they were never really that much into me anyway. Um, You know, or they haven't learned enough to be here. Like so many people have herpes, but I will say that I also have friends who they, okay. It's not that people don't have herpes and, and work. People do have herpes and work. They just don't talk about it and they don't work when they're having outbreaks and they tend to communicate more closely with the people they are working directly with ideally but yeah total like production companies might not even work with you yeah and it seems like such an easy workaround in different ways um like yeah if you normally have you know a certain angle let's say your outbreak is visible in one spot i would just think that you would adjust camera angles or play a little bit differently Mm -hmm. um but Mm -hmm. when i hear from people who say you know, because I have herpes, that also includes the times that they don't have outbreaks where they feel like, or maybe it is real, that their um, their ability to produce content is completely gone or their ability to work with clients is completely gone. And one of the things mm-hmm. that people are learning as they listen to the diverse experiences of people navigating herpes stigma on the Something Positive for Positive People podcast is that there are a variety of ways that not only can you as someone who might uh, be having sex, you know, engage in sex, but what that means and the other ways of being able to get creative with that and that, you know, not always are you going to pass herpes on. In 2021, Mm -hmm. I conducted a survey uh, very similar to the one that is in existence now that we're collecting responses for. And one of the questions was, Uh, have you gone on to have sex with a partner who consented to not using barriers? And roughly 70-something percent of people said yes. And then the follow-up question was, have you knowingly passed herpes on to a partner? And Mm. 70-something percent of people said that they have not. So that, to me, says a lot more than if you wear a condom and you take antivirals and you don't have an outbreak, your likelihood of transmission is less than 3%. It says Mm -hmm. more to me than that because people are having sex and they're having condomless sex with partners who are positive for herpes and they're not Mm -hmm. getting herpes. That's something Mm -hmm. that we need to see more representation of. Mm -hmm. That was the case for me. So, okay, so here's how I think I got the herpes. Um, So check it out. I went to the doctor and the nurse. The nurse was delightful. She... Uh, ended up telling me and I I was gauging how they were reacting which was information about how people tend to react right so they I said to them I think I'm either having the craziest like staph infection razor burn situation in my life or I might be having a general herpes outbreak I know I have HSV1 orally I've had it since I was a child I've never knowingly transmitted to any of my partners except for one who has immune serious like immune system like compromise 
Um, and that was a year after we were uh, fucking without condoms. I gave him herpes on his dick. <laughs> and then because viruses mutate and the lab results came back and I have HSV1 on my genitals, it mutated and he gave it back to my genitals. <laughs> so I gave myself HSV1. What a story. Is <laughs> <laughs> what and, we think happened. Yeah. And I just yeah. want to acknowledge that, you know, it's also possible that there could have been, you know, someone He could have cheated on me. Yeah. He like, could have. Yeah. That's definitely. possible. It could have not been him. Right. And this is something mm -hmm. that we don't know how long it's in our system. We really don't know if we have it or not until we have symptoms and the most uh, likelihood of getting accurate results are while you're having those symptoms getting tested so that then you mm -hmm. know for sure that this is what this is and you know that's the only way to be as accurate as you can be is if you are experiencing symptoms and you get tested during those symptoms mm -hmm. yeah I definitely that was a thing where it's always and it could always be a thing that maybe there was sexual infidelity um, knowing what I know about his work schedule and his chronic pain and his living situation and the fact that he'd had a serious shoulder surgery two weeks prior to my outbreak and motherfucker had barely moved from his bed. I don't think it's incredibly likely. Um, and what preceded my outbreak was I started drinking alcohol again. Um, and I had an incredibly stressful in event happen at the strip club due to a um, conspiracy theorist stalker man who's not targeting me, but the, some of the clubs where I work at, he's an actual like bomb threat. So I interacted with that person and it was pretty stressful. And the next day I had a pounding headache and the next day I had an outbreak. So I think it was like a stress and immune system thing for me. Ooh, I'm so sorry right? to hear that. Thank you. Um, it was the I'm... morning of my 37th birthday. Oh. <laughs> and I texted you. You were like one of, if not the first person I texted. Oh, I appreciate yeah. it. I very much appreciate being <laughs> the first thing, the first person that comes to mind when you think about herpes. Well, and when I think about Korean barbecue. Yes. Okay. That balances out. Yeah. And <laughs> uh, anime stuff that I don't understand. Oh, and I will teach you the ways. I don't want to know. And Comic-Con. <laughs> <laughs> ouch i know i'm sorry well you know what my kid really likes that stuff so you guys can bond over it yeah, guys, yeah. We, we can bond yeah, yeah. over it yeah um so really really quickly so let's if you're still with us and you don't know what herpes simplex virus is i'll just read a little bit from the world health organization courtney feel free to interrupt me if you disagree with something Ooh, okay yeah so Key facts, an estimated, oh, and this article is from 2023, an estimated 3.7 billion people under age 50 globally have herpes simplex virus 1. Okay, so about 60, yeah, 67% of the world under 50 has oral herpes. Um, an estimated 491 million people aged 15 to 49. So, okay, so still under 50, but that's interesting, different way to break it up. I guess they're not really checking children as much. Uh, so 13% worldwide have herpes simplex virus type 2, which is a big honking chunk of the world. 
So again, just to revisit the first episode, when we think about how many like memes or punchlines there's been about like having herpes or getting herpes, like that's kind of an interesting reframe. As long as we're making those jokes in a way where maybe it's like we're making fun of only ourselves. Like when I said I gave myself herpes, like that's actually pretty freaking funny. And I'm not punching down. I'm just being honest with punching myself. Too. Yeah, you're punching at. <laughs> I'm I'm self-harming wanna, um, for content. I no, want to throw in uh, just a fact here. We are seeing that more genital HSV-1 cases are on the rise now. Historically, HSV-1 is primarily oral. And I say primarily oral because you can still have it genitally. HSV-2 is primarily genital. I say primarily genital because you can still contract that orally. Now, what I'm noticing is that I hear people who are diagnosed without receiving a test. You might see symptoms genitally, mm-hmm. and because of its location, doctors will say, oh, that's type 2 because it's genital, not testing mm. it to you know, see if it's actually type 1. And this is leading to the perpetuation of this idea that genital herpes is not the same as oral herpes because they can't. You, a cold sore is so different. If you yep. have a cold sore and you <laughs> put your mouth to someone's genitals and they miraculously now have a genital herpes outbreak and they go to the doctor and show it, the doctor might look and say, that's herpes type two. That person will leave and tell their partner who has cold sores, hey, I have genital herpes. And this person who receives cold sores is going to be like, I don't know where you got that from. Are you cheating mm. on me? And this turns into a thing because of stigma. And it implies that, you know, only cold sores are HSV-1. And like, it's so disconnected from even the word herpes or HSV, period. And people don't understand that cold sores turn into herpes. Cold sores can turn into herpes. And this is through Mm -hmm. skin to skin contact. And more and more people are doing a little more with their mouths and genitals and getting creative sexually, which is Mm -hmm. a completely normal thing. It's just we have to move past this doctors looking at genitals and saying, oh, that's type two because it's on a genital location rather than testing and giving an accurate response. Or to be honest, we need to just get away with the notion of, you know, type one, type two, and just talk about location. All right. I have herpes. My outbreaks express themselves orally Mm. or genitally or elsewhere. Here Mm -hmm. are my symptoms. Here's what that looks like. Here's how I treat myself. Here are the things that you need to know. So that's that's my mm-hmm. little my little rant about the statistics and type one, type two, uh, because it's not accurately being diagnosed across the board. That's exactly why I thought it would be worth the investigation and the extra money to um, to do a lab test because the doctor's visual. She was like, oh, no, that as soon as she saw it, she's like, that looks like herpes. <laughs> she's like the patterning I'm seeing. So like that. Would have been, and she asked me. She's like, "Do you want me to do a lab? We could determine type one or two. We and I said, "Yeah, I, I'm really curious." And that's at that point when the nurse told me that what happened to her and her husband is, um, she'd always had oral sores. He, they'd never had an outbreak, and then one day she had a genital outbreak, and she was like, "You're cheating on me," and he's like, "No." Um, and then they went and got tested and they also got like their levels tested. Um, and 
even though she was having an outbreak, um, his levels were higher, but he wasn't symptomatic. Mm. Isn't that weird? That, that. So she's, so she's like, so we were both expressing it, but like not really. Yeah. Like she was the only one having an outbreak. So, and, but she uh, thinks that that was the same thing that happened to her. Like that it just auto inoculated, I guess is the term. Yeah. And see, like what people don't hear about are these conversations. And I think that more of these stories, experiences and conversations that we hear, the more having herpes becomes more humanized because when a person does receive a diagnosis or they do receive someone's disclosure to them, they immediately lock that person into what their thoughts and beliefs are about them as someone with herpes. Mm, and not you're going to want to get on medication for this, you know, like you yeah. need to take this the rest of your life or else you're going to have this happen again. Like, I'm so glad they said to me, because this is a pretty significant, like looks uncomfortable outbreak. We're going to, you know, would you like, we're going to prescribe you some and that's up to you. And I was like, yes, I will take the antivirals. They said it might upset your tummy. You might poo a little weird and you'll probably be dehydrated. So drink more water. And I was like, okay. They're like, it's not going to address the issue to go away as quickly as antibiotics would if this was like something different, like a staph infection, but this will help. And it might give you um, like more of an edge to prevent or have like less severe future infections. So I was like, fine, I'll take a pill. So I've been on antivirals every eight hours for the last like three weeks. Um, I haven't, you know, like everything looks normal down there, like pre outbreak, except for, <laughs> we're going to get really specific locations of two of the biggest sores. I just have skin discoloration, but like I would on my mouth lips. So I still consider them to be active and I'm still not letting, um, I, we haven't had PIV in like six weeks. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, I know. And I love him. I only see him once a week anyway. So if I'm like extra agitated, it's because I literally have not been fucked in a while. So I know. That's a thing. That's a thing. <laughs> so I mean, um, and I couldn't even masturbate normally because I was insecure about my hands anyway. So thank you so much, Courtney, for being here. Let's take a break. This is the Herpes and Relationships episode two. Our guest, Courtney Brame. He has a ton of cool stuff coming up. We're going to revisit that when we come back. Put a new spin on sex with the innovative Kimono Swirl lineup. The Swirl condom is America's only double helix-shaped condom and stimulates both partners like a sex toy. Swirl silicone is a thick premium lubricant that intensifies every sensation. Swirl natural lubricant combines pure water, organic aloe, and select botanicals for smoothest like nature intended. Swirl cleaning gel uses gentle natural ingredients to clean intimate toys and places. Get your swirl on when you use promo code 20TALKSWIRL2 for 20% off our suite of swirl products on Amazon now until November 30th. Welcome back to They Talk Sex podcast. Thanks for finding us on Spotify and Apple and theytalksex.com. This is the Herpes and Relationships episode two. Courtney has a funny story he was about to share. You got a new, you got a new sex toy, or you want a new yeah, sex toy? I got it. So uh, when you were talking about not masturbating the way that you normally could, mm -hmm. I thought, oh, I thought about like last night when I got um, the urge to try this sex toy that I want. 
So I went to a conference, the Sexual Health Alliance conference. It was in Denver over the last weekend, whatever that means for when you're listening to this. It was in October Mm -hmm. 2023. And I won one of their giveaway boxes full of lubricant, sex toys, a book, and whatever, whatever. So one of these sex toys was for men or penis owners. And so I get it. I bring it home and I'm back. And last night I was masturbating. I was like, hmm, let me try this sex toy. So <laughs> nice. I, I, I grab it. I had it charging already. So I take it out and it looks like I sent the picture of it to a partner of mine. And she was like, that looks like something from Star Wars. I was like, yeah. <laughs> so what it is, if you if you reach one hand out as if you're asking for a dollar, Okay. You would slide the bottom of your penis uh, onto the palm forward toward the fingers, okay? Now, okay. it only goes to about where the base of your fingers are. Now, the thing about this is that it's got sort of a uh, a cone. I don't, it's got like wings that are a little bit flexible. But if you put, uh, if you, as you go into it, it's supposed to mirror like a stroking motion. So if you jack off, you know, laying on your back with your penis and let's say you're using your right hand and you're just stroking, right? So let's it's say. about <laughs> that size, right? Okay. And it vibrates and it has like this little circular thing about the size of a quarter that kind of pulses as if it would be hitting oh. a G spot, okay? Oh, wow. So the intention is for you to insert your penis and up towards the head or as low as it goes, that little quarter size thing is going to like press up against and vibrate more intensely at the bottom of your penis. Okay? The base. Okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. I can't get it on. I can't get my penis in there. Like I, this, <laughs> I this is not me say. bragging. This is not me bragging. I'm not bragging at all. However, yeah, that was my concern was what if your <laughs> if your phallus is very small or large, then this might not work for you. So it works when I'm like soft, I can put it in there, but it won't stay in there. And by the time like I want it oh. to stay in there, it won't stay in there. I was like, Man, is this it, is fun. Is it something that could become like painful? Could you become trapped in it? No, it won't. So the way... <laughs> The wings of it like expand too much, and then it just falls. It's like you can't gonna, keep it can on you there. I will send a picture. I Thank you. Yes, Thank I will you. send you a photo <laughs> of this, and it's 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 rather funny. But That's funny. yeah. Oh, did you give the? Does the toy have herpes now or no? I'm probably oh, dark joke. I mean, I'm asymptomatic. Oh, is it, is it a dark joke because I'm black? That was racist. Hell. Oh <laughs> my god. <laughs> Here comes my call out. I can tell it's the end of the season. We're getting loosey goosey here. Um, When I, so dark jokes, when I started dating the boyfriend um, who you give me great advice on. Thank you. It's really helpful in dating a straight man to talk to another straight man. So I appreciate that. Um, Yes. Always nice. Gotta look out for my bros. Thanks. And my bras and my bras. Yeah. yeah. Uh, So where was it going with this? Oh yeah. So in our early dating and chatting, he mentioned that he had hepatitis C and I was like, Oh yeah, I've dated someone with hep C before. Um, he told me when he found that out, it was through his girlfriend at the time where she's like, Oh, I got my test back. And they said it's either HIV or hep C. And he was like, well, which one? And she's like, I don't know. And he's like, well, we need to find out right now. <laughs> so that was a whole other, he's grateful it's, it's hep C. Um, and he doesn't have any liver scarring. So that just means he can't drink alcohol and he can never, ever use needle drugs again. 
um, which is cool because he doesn't, we don't want him to do that. So, and I'm not outing him. He's totally open about all this and he works in harm reduction now. And so there was some kind of dark joke. I said something about like, what did you give your last girlfriend? And he was like, hepatitis. Oh. <laughs> I was like, but did you though? He's like, no. He's like, I've never actually like knowingly transmitted it to anyone. I was just, I got it through dirty needles. I was like, oh, okay. Good to know. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. That's, that's dark. dark. That's dark. It's dark. It's dark. <laughs> Uh, okay. So let's do some listener questions. Ooh, I love listener questions. Hey, they love you right back. At least someone loves me. My dad did. Nobody Let me stop. We, we can get off the dark human. Uh, ah! <laughs> hey, everyone knows about my dad issues. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. You're in good company. All my favorite people have dad or dad issues or religious trauma issues. And sometimes mom trauma issues. Um, so listener question one to the herpes. What is considered a, quote, normal length outbreak? I had my first outbreak and the worst sore lasted a full month. So what I remember your survey is I feel like it asked the length of time and I had to consider because I didn't really know how long mine. I think I said two to three weeks. Do you remember if that's an option on your survey? That is an option. Yes. Because the thing is, some people might not treat their outbreaks and mm -hmm. just let them go away on their own. So the responses are going to be diverse across the board. Um, whenever I had my first outbreak, the medication that I was prescribed, valcyclovir, I took, uh, I had to take two tablets a day, six hours apart for three days. And it started to go away after I started the medication. And my outbreak lasted three days and it looked like nothing ever happened. So that was wow. with medication. And this Amazing. was with one GM tablets, I believe. Um, my second outbreak, uh, when I noticed that that's what that was, it only lasted a few days as well, uh, less than a week. So you'll get experiences from people that it's going to depend on how soon they identify that it's an outbreak. Maybe if they feel like an outbreak is coming and they start their treatment process, whatever that may be, medications, uh, changes in lifestyle or uh, taking supplements, um, that will influence the starting of treatment. And it could even just keep the outbreak from coming on at all. I know for myself, mm -hmm. like if I feel that sensation, which I describe as if you've ever been bitten by a mosquito and you like slap your arm and you scratch it really quickly, mm. the sensation that follows you scratching that itch is what it feels like when an outbreak is coming along for me. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't feel good. It's a sensation that I notice in that area that shouldn't be happening in that See, area. Okay. So I did a massive pussy and inner crevice shaving okay on my bottom half the day before my outbreak too so I don't even like I remember something felt different but I think I was like oh I just feel more sensitive because I shaved mm, trauma so, to that area I mean yeah I was because yeah. I was like a lot of people say that and I didn't really notice or maybe that's why yep anyway anyway okay but so no. so to, to, yeah, to answer that question, yeah, it, it varies based on what you choose to do. So when you know your body and you know, okay, when I'm having an outbreak, I'm going to start taking these antivirals and it will minimize the possibility of it coming on as a full-blown outbreak or minimize the amount of time that it's there. But for someone who might be having outbreaks for a month, 
it's going to take some adjusting of routine medication or supplements or even outside stressors in order to make that outbreak start to go away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when I get the final results findings, um, we let people write in uh, describing, you know, whatever they want to share about their experience with their outbreaks and medication. So uh, if you mark your calendar for May 23rd, 2024, we will be presenting that data as well. And you can ask questions if you attend the conference. Mm-hmm. And I believe the ASECT conference is in May of 2024. Did oh, we talk about that? We talked about it. I don't know if it was the same weekend, but. Oh, uh, yeah. But I mean, that's in St. Louis, that, Missouri. Hometown. Hey. Yeah, that's your hometown. I know. I thought about. It's funny because my therapist today just said that I should present something on horophobia to them. Yeah, you the should. The fact that I'm speaking aloud. Yeah, I should probably do that. That's a good you idea. Know what? Yeah, if you go, I'll go. Okay. Ooh, show me the St. Louis foods. Yes. Because I've yeah. shown you some of the Portland foods. Yes. And yes. you've shown me some of the Portland foods now. Yeah. So pizza, for f- toasted ravioli, gooey butter cake, you need those things in your life. I want all those things. For listeners, Courtney moved to Portland. Um, so we met on the internet. Courtney moved to Portland. Then he moved back to Missouri. Then he we moved can just back skip to Portland. That. Yeah. We could just say I, I, I house at, I house at at home for three months. And then while I was there, I was like, you know what? Oh. Think I need to move back to Portland. <laughs> yeah, the dogs, the three-legged dogs, and the food carts—they love you here. They got me. Yeah, they, they got, got you. So, listener question two: Can you get herpes without having sex? Yes. So I I want to you know acknowledge that herpes. A lot of people say herpes is skin to condition. It's not. It actually is a virus that lives in the nerves. There's a technical term for it, but I don't generally remember those terms i remember Mm. that for oral outbreaks the herpes virus lives in the nerves at the like neck area like at the top Mm. of the spine for genital outbreaks or for genital herpes um the virus lives at the base of the spine in that bundle of nerves and it just surfaces as kind of a hey you're not taking care of yourself i think you should take care of yourself uh Mm. because i kind of like it here and i want to live here So if you can take care of yourself, that would be nice. Um, Hmm. And I'll use my own self as an example. So um, I had a weekend where my last outbreak that I had was in 2021 in July. And I had a lot of really sugary drinks. And I had an outbreak like after the weekend ended. I had a lot of alcohol. I had a lot of sugar. And Hmm. after that outbreak, I went, hmm, I should probably watch how much sugar I'm consuming. Fast Mm. forward to November, I got to Portland, I had a doctor's appointment, and he was like, hey, you are almost pre-diabetic, like, we probably should watch this. And I think to myself, like, had I not made that connection between, you know, herpes outbreaks and sugar, I wouldn't have made the lifestyle changes that would have paused me becoming (laughs) pre-diabetic enough for my doctor to have been able to notice and tell me that. So since then, I was able to just, like, change up a little bit of stuff around my diet and nutrition and I'm no longer in the range for pre-diabetic and this is what I try and tell people you know there might be something that herpes is telling you about your Mm. body about your lifestyle about your stress about your health mental health 
Um, mm. So we can use this as information. It's just like a car's dashboard, right? You see the gas mm. light come on. It doesn't mean something's wrong. It just is saying, hey, you should get gas. If you see the mm. oil light, hey, let's get an oil change. But if you ignore these signs, don't look up and be like, well, how did this happen when you mm. ran out of gas and you're in the middle of nowhere? It was the drinking. It's got to be the drinking and the stress for me. Like I really, yeah. Ah, uh, ah. Uh, that's that's freaking amazing that you were able to listen to your body and then the timing worked out and good for you on going to the doctor and being proactive. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But to answer that person's question, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yes, herpes is a nerve. It's a virus that lives in the nerves that expresses itself on the skin and is transmitted by skin to skin contact with minimal exceptions. If I'm having an outbreak and I like rub my hand into that outbreak and then I smack the shit out of somebody right across the lips and put my fingers in their mouth, they're very likely to get herpes. But Mm -hmm. if I don't have any symptoms, like I've shared things with people without any, uh, well, mine has been genital. I have not had any oral symptoms or outbreaks at all. So I Mm. don't know. It's possible that I do have oral herpes, but I have not shown any symptoms. Mm. I've shared things with people and it's been a non-issue. I've even shared with people that I know get oral herpes outbreaks. But if there is an outbreak, we're just mindful of that. And it's like, all right, Mm -hmm. hey, you know, let's not you know, eat this ice cream cone together. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But the, the well, share chapstick is a big one that's for me. Probably the biggest thing. Yeah. And in mm-hmm. moments of desperation, I need chapstick more than I care about getting oral herpes. I ain't gonna lie to you. <laughs> so I didn't that's funny. That's not exactly what I expected to hear, but I can totally relate. Well and I will tell people I've started telling people in the dressing room and I've mentioned this on the show before. If someone's like, Oh, can I use your lipstick? I'll be like, Oh, sure, but just so you know I do get oral herpes, like I get cold sores. And some people are like, Oh, okay, thanks for telling me. Like um they want their lipstick more than they don't want oral herpes right (laughs) right or they'll be like thanks for telling me i get it too or they're like i don't really know what that means so (laughs) that's that leads to some more good conversation um but i've had people thank me they're like oh thank you and then i've also seen other people do it too lately and that just wasn't something that my parents ever like i've never you know it's just not a people don't think about transmitting that's usually they transmit it to their kids just from like kissing their faces or it says on webmd sharing objects such as toothbrushes or eating utensils and i would wonder if that's because of like repeat exposure to so yes you're shedding the virus and you're eating and there's moisture and virus mm-hmm. is shedding on wet things right but when people say don't drink after this person you'll get herpes it's like they're saying you can touch an object and then that object touches you and now you've got herpes and that is not, yeah. not how this works. That's not how that works. Yeah. So repeated exposure is definitely a thing, which again, duh, parenting or partnerships. Um, okay. So yes, you can get herpes without having sex. Uh, and apparently most people do get it without having sex because such a large population, such a large segment of the population has the HSV one anyway. And a lot of us have our first outbreak in childhood or adolescence um, without any like child sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay. So listener question three, is there a way to get tested without having had an outbreak? 
Yes, you can get blood tested. Um, the tests aren't all that great. Um, again, the best time to get tested is if you are showing symptoms um, or if you know that you've been, you know, ongoingly sexual with someone who does have herpes and then you ask for a test, but you might meet some resistance from healthcare providers who might not want to test you without symptoms simply because these tests can generate false positives and false negatives. Uh, mm. That's a very common thing. So they could be wrong either way. It can be wrong either way. And that's why which I say people it. base relationships off of. Mm -hmm. The test was negative. It couldn't be me. Yeah. The only way to know is if you are tested with symptoms. Um, I did get tested for uh, herpes via blood test the last time that I got tested uh, just because I was curious. Like I was originally diagnosed with genital HSV2 um, almost 11 years ago. And mm -hmm. I remember he just looked and said, that's HSV2. That's why I, I told the story earlier. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. uh, when I went to Planned Parenthood recently, they said that they offered herpes testing. So I was like, hey, I was told I have type 2. Test me for type 1. And then type 1 came back positive. And I was uh -huh. like, whoa, what if I had type 1 genitally this whole time? So I decided to get tested once more. <laughs> and wow. I, got, uh, I got a positive result for HSV2 and HSV1. So I wow. have both types and they've expressed themselves genitally. I've not had oral symptoms of herpes to my knowledge at this point in time. Huh. Fascinating. What good modeling behavior. That was my biggest problem with some of the like sex ed, um, you know, people on media that like they didn't talk about their personal lives. So it still seemed really one sided. Mm -hmm. So I like hearing from you, too. Thank you. Okay, you're welcome. Listener question four. Can you talk about herpes and polyamory or herpes and group sex? Yes, I can. Um, <laughs> that answers your question. No, I'm going to go ahead and elaborate. <laughs> but, uh, the end, yeah. Right. Uh, so to elaborate, uh, I guess I'll just, you know, use a little bit of my own personal experiences. Uh, I've not really known where I landed on the relationship and dating spectrum for a while. Like I've just seen people um, and there's not really been any intentionality behind it. And one day I just looked up and I was like, oh, these are people I consistently see. I don't know that I want to, you know, cut anybody off for whatever reason of just going into a relationship with any of them. So this looks like polyamory to me. And mm. that's where I landed. So I think that if I'm going to speak to herpes and polyamory, I'll always say this. If someone's attracted to you, they're attracted to you. You know, and there's almost nothing you can do to change that. If you also have herpes, if you also have, you know, baggage, if you also have kids, if you also have a job they may not like or parents that they may not like or they don't like your friends. If somebody's attracted to you, they're attracted. So I look at herpes on the same level as I do with any other minor inconvenience or, uh, you know, something that doesn't directly impact that other person, but it will indirectly impact them. So like sex as a polyamorous person, or even if you're not polyamorous and you just have other partners, the biggest thing I would say that is immediately at the forefront of my mind is communication. I mentioned the survey statistics prior about how many people have gone on to 
not wear condoms with sexual partners consensually and who have not passed herpes on to another person. Wait, um, I want to interrupt. I want to interrupt. So we're talking about people who have consensually not worn condoms. Like they both agreed they don't want to wear condoms. Correct. Yes. Okay. 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 So okay. all parties involved decide they don't want to wear barriers. Uh, this is communicated. And I want to keep touching on that point of communication because mm -hmm. this is a major part of consent. We're talking about giving people all of the information so that they can take the information and make an informed decision from that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You doing that with one person is no different than you doing that with two people, three people, four people. And mm -hmm. the conversation, it may look a little different based on the environment or context, but generally with group settings, this is a normalized conversation, not just, hey, I have herpes, are y'all okay with that? But this is a conversation about testing practices, about uh, negotiations, negotiating you know, do's and don'ts, boundaries. Um, what do we do if someone gets triggered? It's a much larger conversation than just, you know, the even the, the question is just like, can you talk about herpes and polyamory, right? It's no different. Like I always tell people, dating with herpes is just like dating. There is not a difference. You disclose this like you would anything else, or it might be an issue for some people. It might not be an issue for some people. Again, same thing with having kids, perhaps uh, social uh, involvements, political alignments, religious mm -hmm. views, mm -hmm. um, what your big picture idea is, if you want short term or long term. Uh, Ability, disability. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How mobile you are. Mm -hmm. Can you transport? Mm hmm. So I, I want to invite this person who asked this question. I'm hoping that you're listening to this podcast episode, but uh, I challenge you to not place such a high priority on herpes because one perfect example that I'll give is a lot of times people look for herpes support groups because they are seeking some sort of validation in their identity as a person with herpes. In doing that, you are invalidating yourself as all of those other parts of yourself when those are the areas that you might need more validation in. So we make herpes smaller by making other aspects of our identity bigger. So someone I know went into a polyamory community and found polyamorous relationships. Oh, by the way, she has herpes. Going into herpes communities and seeking polyamorous relationships. You're among people who are just herpes positive, and it's going to decrease your likelihood of finding uh, what you really want and what you are really prioritizing because you're in a place where herpes is prioritized, looking for something that's not as much prioritized. And the mm -hmm. same thing on the other end of the spectrum, going into a polyamorous space, because that is the priority of the environment. It means that herpes is not as big of an uh, obstacle. And she living her best life right now. She got a boyfriend <laughs> and a girlfriend that she met through these groups. And Aww. yeah, she's just happy. She is so happy. Oh, gosh, that gives me such hope and I'm sure so many other people listening. I like what you said about make the herpes smaller by focusing on what other things you can make bigger. Yes. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of things you can make bigger. Tee hee hee. Tee hee hee. I still, yeah, I'm so interested in that toy. Um, we don't want to bad mouth them, but do you remember what it's called? Does it have a name? Uh, I took it out of the box so I could put it in my um, uh, suitcase and make it fit because I only brought a carry-on and I didn't expect um. to win anything. So, Oh, right. In there. 
Right, um, right. But yeah, okay. I'll, I'll send you a picture. <laughs> so so I actually send it made, on the break. Yeah. I made a video of like trying to use it and sent it to one of my partners. I was like, hey, you want to laugh real quick? She was like, yeah. So I was like in the middle of masturbating. You I were hard. And I'm like talking through it. I'm like, look at this. It won't work. It doesn't fit. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I. Speaking of polyamory and herpes, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, no kidding. Um, when you started speaking to your experience, I just want to clarify before we do the break. Um, you said that you kind of just like landed in what you had a name for as polyamory, but it isn't something you like sought out, but you were dating multiple people and all of these people you were dating knew that you were dating other people, right? Yeah. And that's what's so cool about it is that, you know, it was just this acceptance that I've gotten from the people that I'm with, you know, for me to just be myself and be real about what's going on. Like, oh, hey, you know, this is what I have going on. This is how I practice relationships. Being able to talk through, you know, what safety looks like because I do have other partners that I'm responsible for and they trust me and I trust them. So there are things that I lay out foundationally um, for us to be able to have sexual relationships as we continue to move forward with one another. Mm -hmm. I just wanted all my listeners to know that Courtney is not the type of man that lies by omission to put the people he's dating in the dark and make them think they are the only person he's dating while dating multiple people because oh, that's yeah. not polyamory and that's and not I, informed consent. I can't do that. I'm, I'm I'm my life is too out there. Yeah, <laughs> no, seriously, yeah. And also you like don't want that on your soul. <laughs> like I don't. No. you really don't. No, cuz yeah. people and as you know if someone thinks they're in a monogamous relationship, they'll probably perhaps do different sexual practices or safety precautions or things or have a different attitude about it, whether or not there's other people. Like, I will not use condoms if it's just me and him, what you talked about earlier, like herpes and, and consensual no condom use between partners. But like, if we weren't monogamous with each other for the last two and a half years, I would be using condoms with anyone else so but and so that's anyway that's I think one of the biggest that's like the the biggest issue to me for like cheating as someone who's been on all sides of it I've I've cheated and I've been cheated on and for different ways that I could like justify at the time but I no longer engage in those you know behaviors because I went through therapy starting 12 years ago and I was like I don't like how I'm lying to the people I care about because I don't know what to ask for um yeah, and it's just like what an exhausting way to live, like to be a constant cheater. Yeah, we don't want that. Right. Okay, so we're going to take a break. And this is the herpes episode two, the herpes and relationship episode. Go to spfpp.org if you haven't already, and you can email Courtney at spfpp.org. Hey, do you want to open your relationship? Whether you're totally ready or 100% terrified, I've got something for you. Best-selling author, New York Times, and NPR contributor Dr. Jolie Hamilton is the expert who helps people open their relationships up without burning things down. Now you can leverage her five pillars of open relationships to open yours the smart way. Dr. Jolie shares the five pillars during her upcoming online salon. Grab your spot at openeasier.com. It's free when you register now at openeasier.com. 
Welcome back to They Talk Sex Podcast. I'm your host, L. Stanger. My website is lstanger.com or stripperwriter.com. Okay, so <laughs> does Courtney have any notable dating or herpes stories to share? <laughs> so many. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yes. I'm glad to have answered your question. All right, next. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I do. And this may have less to do with herpes and more about just the kind of communicating that I do now. Uh, I have been on dating apps. I'm off now. I, I think I've hit peaks and valleys of when I'm on or when I'm off. But mm -hmm. um, during this time, it was a peak. I was enjoying myself and I matched with someone uh, who and th this is this is important to me because I think that it speaks to where you are in a sense of um, being comfortable with your status to where it's not really relevant until it has to be relevant mm -hmm. so I matched with someone on hinge and we're talking and I have this way of disclosing uh, one of your former guests on your show, Dr. Evelyn Dacker, who mm. uses the stars talk. This is my go-to for when I want to have sex with somebody. Um, S is for safety. T is for turn-ons. A avoids. R is relationship intentions and expectations. And the second S is STI status. So we get through that conversation and we talk about meeting up. Now, she was about to go out of town and I you know, wasn't going to be in town much longer. So she was like, yeah, we can do this, have like a little fun time. Uh, I can come over at like 6 a.m. Because she was planning to get on the road at 7 a.m. So I was like, yeah, wow, cool, that's a that's, yeah, that's a quick one. Okay. Dedication, right? Yeah, so sure. Squeeze it in. Yeah. yeah, we FaceTime. We set the expectations and everything. And then like she texted me uh, later. Hey, I don't want the expectation to be that we're going to have sex when I come over. And I knew what she was saying. But the fact that she sent me a text message and like, it's 2023, I got to be very aware of, you know, things that uh, have an undertone to them. Because my thought was, damn, if you come over here and we have sex and you don't like that we had sex, you have oh. a text message saying here that, you know, you oh. don't want that to be the expectation, which is another way of saying, I don't want to have sex or I'm not sure if I want to have sex. Right, right. And so... I had to acknowledge that. I was like, hey, you know, I we we established that this was the nature of the relationship, like out of curiosity, you know, why, like, why, what made you say that is what I'm like thinking. Like what's but coming up for I, I you now? I couldn't ask that. I couldn't yeah. ask it that way because of how it would have sounded. So I kind of just had to go, hey, you know, this seems to me like, I don't think I worded this the same way I am now but what it seemed like to me was that maybe she was trying to change me or maybe she wasn't quite ready for a casual relationship based on how our conversations went about her past experiences so it I was like hey you know so I, I kind of got to look out for myself you know if you're not a hell yes to this I have to take that as a no, you know, just for my sake mm -hmm. and what that would look like. Like mm -hmm. there, the safety component of that stars talk is so important to me. And I, the reason that I bring all of this up is to say there are so many things that are more of a big deal to me than my herpes status and being accepted for that. One of them being this component of safety, not just like physical safety, but like uh, a life safety 
because if she didn't like that sex, she could have shown this text message and essentially ruined my life. Right? Yeah. And we've so already, aware of that. right. And for, for context, when, um, we had talked about this before, cause it, well, we hadn't seen each other in a while, but we had talked about this before. And I just really want to highlight the part that I don't know if listeners like fully heard you say earlier. So you were leaving town to move in a couple days and she was going somewhere like that morning. So, and you're, you're both dating other people. So the kind of sense I got for it was like, if we're not interested in a casual hookup, are you sure you want to continue to invest time in interacting from this far away when we haven't even like met in person yet? Right. Essentially, that's the core of it. Yes. Yeah. Had you two, and you hadn't met in person yet, you said? Not in person. No. Okay. We you would match. FaceTime. We matched. Right. We FaceTimed, and that was it. Right. Yeah. I don't, I understand how it can be like sexier to say, like, oh, like, I don't want the expectation because then I might start feeling nervous if you are like, well, at what point are we going to fuck? Like in five minutes or in 20? But also like sending a text like that, um, I can see how that's really destabilizing for you as a male. And you and I can both, we can talk about how you and I have both been accused of actions that we have never actually engaged in by people that were trying to be disruptive for us. Um, yep. and text is a weapon that people sometimes use. Mm-hmm. So and I gotta Photoshop. be real careful about that. Mm-hmm. And she, she made a comment after, uh, I just, I, I had to reject, you know, moving forward with our plans. And she was like, we could have had a lot of fun together if you just didn't ask so many questions. And I was like, ah, oh, oh this God. is not the kind of person I would have wanted to hook up with. So I, I shared that herpes story because while herpes was insignificant, look how much of a bigger deal not that that things that weren't related to herpes was, yeah. you know? Right. Um, but for yeah. I, I have like a simple one because I think that that didn't really answer the question. I think that that more <laughs> so was like on the motivational speaker side of what I do. Mm. Um, I was at the Sex Down South conference actually, and there was someone who uh, wanted to hook up uh she came to my i don't want to give too much away because it wasn't a lot of people there yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) but i gave a talk on herpes disclosure and later on um i had uh, my field was up my field dating app profile and i had a match with someone and so we matched and we were texting for a little bit and she had expressed interest in playing my oblivious ass i'm like oh well you're here you want to play i'm assuming you mean like rope stuff she's like no i'm trying to fuck i said oh (laughs) <laughs> All right, well, let's let's meet. We can talk and see where things go. So um, we had a little bit of negotiations and we were ready to move forward. And what had ended up happening was in conversation, frequency of testing came up mm. because she mentioned that she wanted to have sex. And she said to me, she said, uh, oh, that she hasn't been tested since December of last year. But she had only been tested after or uh, she hadn't been tested because she was in a monogamous relationship with a partner. Oh, no. Is this a sex educator? Never mind. No, no, no. This was an attendee of the conference. And so um, I I had to go. "Ah, I have a I have a a rule because I had a six month boundary. Like if you haven't been tested in the last six months, I can't do it. Mm -hmm. And I extended that to eight months and I got chlamydia. 
So I was like, uh, I, I have to decline. Like, I have to turn this down. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but mm-hmm. I know we probably would have had a good time. But she didn't. She didn't take it well initially. She was like, "Yeah, I can't say that I'm like not disappointed, but I respect your boundaries, and I, I want to like emphasize the importance of that for me because as someone who is so used to being rejected after telling someone that I have herpes." Here's a place where we both have herpes, by the way. You know, mm-hmm. it may seem like the easy thing to do, um, but me rejecting this woman was one of the hardest things that I've ever had to do, uh, not just because I had to exercise my own boundary of, uh, you know, maintaining that integrity for myself and my partners that like, hey, you know, I'm not going to have sex with anybody who hadn't been touching the last six months, but right. because I know how that feels. And like, if it hurts so much to be rejected, like you don't think of yourself rejecting someone as hurting, but for me, when I had to do that, like my heart hurt. It felt like I got mm. rejected, but it was the discomfort of me prioritizing myself, my boundaries, my other partners, and maintaining that sense of integrity that I, I have for myself and my partners. But yeah, that was that was tough. That was That's really tough, tough for me. That's a good. Um, <laughs> That was also, so that was in August, I believe. September. Yeah, September. it was over the weekend of September 10th. I'll tell you why I remember that date specifically after. Okay. We, after. <laughs> oh, after. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, you and I, well, it was funny because we were walking together and uh, I think we just really love to learn from each other, but we were walking yes. to go get the sushi and uh, you were like, I said no to sex th- um, recently or something. You're like, I said no to sex the other day. And I was like, yeah. wow, that is like. That is so like a man thing to say in this context because like women and female people like say no to sex all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, it's for and, the right reason. <laughs> and you know what? And it was a complete role reversal because this woman asked for it and I was ready to give it to her until that, uh, until yeah. I asked too many questions. <laughs> right, right, right. Okay. Good stories. Thank you. Thank you for the shares. Absolutely. I, uh, but I also get a lot of me too's. I, I get a lot of me too's from time to time. And when those happen, it's like, we both know, oh, it's about to go down. Like me too. <laughs> I have herpes also. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, at first, at first I was like, you get a lot of rape allegations. <laughs> the hashtag. Oh no, no. <laughs> I'm coming for you because of that dark joke earlier. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God. So something ridiculous in the news from four days ago, a Texas pastor, I don't like him already. I'm sorry. No, Um, I'm sorry. (laughs) Texas pastor ordered to pay woman $2.45 million for giving her herpes. This is on the independent UK site. I'm like, what is this real? Um, Reverend Ralph D. West II, the assistant pastor at Church Without Walls in Houston, was ordered to pay $2.45 million after a jury found him liable following a three-day civil trial. So civil trials are not criminal trials, but uh, they're for over like lawsuits like this. So the woman's attorney, Sean Murphy, said that his client contracted herpes during unprotected sex with Mr. West, Pastor West, whom she met on Facebook. She said she had an outbreak two or days after being intimate with Mr. West. The lawyer says you can't fix it. She's got it for the rest of her life. 
The attorney said that his legal team was able to prove Mr. West was the one to give her herpes to the client in March 2018 through her medical records and tests she got at the time. Because she hadn't been with anyone else, she had a prior negative test. So, like, we don't know that. We, first of all, don't know that. She could have been with any other people. We have no idea. Um, I actually kind of feel bad for this guy because he probably didn't give her herpes on purpose. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that didn't. Yeah, no, people don't. And I'm how is that? People. Yeah, I don't know. Like, okay, let's just let's. It makes me feel better to think that he's like a terrible person with a lot of money who can afford to pay this. But like, can you imagine coming after people for transmitting something that they didn't mean to do maliciously? And who has two point four five million? How did they land on that fee? Silly. And it's a pastor too, right? So that there's there's so many layers to what's wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's so many things happening, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and I, I guess this is like a good closing point in using that story as a segue. You know, we want to be able to. There are very there's a lot of components to this whole having herpes thing that, through my lived experience and hearing other people's lived experiences, have really taught me. And it really extends into the vetting process of a potential partner, sexual partner, relationship partner, um, whatever else, right? And being able to identify your own values and boundaries and how you're going to move forward. And a lot of the issues that people may come up with between uh, their herpes status and a relationship or not relationship because of rejection really stems down to these like components of things that have nothing to do with sex that uh, people in the BDSM and kink community are at least more aware of, such as boundaries, um, accountability, uh, recognizing potentially abusive behavior or healthy and ethical behavior and boundaries. And it's really important that we learn these things as fast as we can and exercise these things as often as possible, not for the sake of who's worth getting herpes from or who's worth (laughs) or able to communicate um, and be real about what their response is to me having herpes. But for us to really be able to assess compatibility without having to compromise. And so those things need to be a bigger deal than our herpes status and herpes in general. Uh, Because again, we prioritize you know, herpes over all else. Now, there might be some people who immune compromise and you don't want to add anything to your chart and you don't want to create further complications for yourself. But Mm -hmm. ultimately, much of this is going to come down to communication. If that lady knew she was entering a consensual relationship with someone who had herpes, there would be no reason for this lawsuit to have taken place because she would have agreed to that. Now, Mm -hmm. had she gotten it and had all these other problems that came with that? Yeah. For her to sue, you know, it makes sense for her to get, you know, money for whatever else happened outside of that. We don't know the full story, but Mm -hmm. to sue somebody for giving you herpes, eh, I don't think that that should be a thing. There are people who've done it. There are people who've won cases and there have been settlements and hush money given. Um, You can find these on the Something Positive for Positive People podcast. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. But yeah. Bringing that back full circle, y'all, please focus on the uh, communication aspects and be able to identify, you know, who's worth these additional things that you might have to go through with a person in the relationship. Mm -hmm. That's all I got. 
I want to make that a Valentine's Day card. Like you were worth getting herpes from. Because <gasps> I just oh. you said that and I was like, oh, yeah, I think my boyfriend feels like I was worth it. Because, <laughs> I mean, I told him it might, you know, same thing I tell everyone before we fuck. I'm like, I have, you know, HSC one. I get cold sores. I haven't had chlamydia, but I had it once like seven or eight years ago. You know, whatever. Um, I've had HPV, but no warts or anything in like 10 years are you still dtf and usually people are like yeah and this was the one time and the one partner where we were at the doctor for him for something else and i was like can you look at his penis and tell me if you think that's herpes and the doctor was like oh yeah i think it is and then we're like babe i think i gave you herpes and he was like well it's just one more thing um and we'll see how it goes. And then I gave it back to myself. So, yeah, just do the best you can. <laughs> I, feel, I still feel like he was worth it, though. I love that guy. Yes. Uh, yes. Even though I lost money and I'm pissed about it. But that's just like one more of the when we talk about intersectional, like marginalization, it's like sex workers have to deal with so much shit to even do their job, like banking. But then like imagine it's like stressful having an outbreak. Now, imagine if your income depends on what your your genitals look like, kind of. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> all right so before we go let's do two things let's remind people some of the services something positive for positive people offers um, yes. or what's important to you yes mm -hmm. um so i mentioned the conference may 23rd 2024 um please just mark your calendars and follow the page i will have updates on spfpp.org slash events and you'll see that on the events tab if you go to the website. Uh, I also host weekly support groups for Patreon subscribers. Uh, the general herpes support group is Monday evening at 6 p.m. Pacific time, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This is every Monday. And then there is a men's group. This is not exclusively reserved for men living with herpes. It is a men's group. This is also on Thursdays at 6 p.m. Pacific time. 9 p.m. Eastern time. Now, if you are a Patreon subscriber, you have access to those. You have to subscribe at the $10 a month or more option. I know that's a lot of money, but Two it's cups of very valuable to get what you will receive out of these support groups. On the fourth Monday and Thursday of every month, these groups are open to anyone. So the men's group is open to people who aren't on Patreon and the uh, herpes support group is open to people who aren't on Patreon. So the fourth Monday for people with herpes, the fourth Thursday for anyone. And again, this is on the events tab of the website. Mm -hmm. um, in addition to that, I mentioned the conference. I have the HSV survey that is up right now. If you go to the surveys tab, you'll see it and you'll be able to click and take the survey. I need as many people as possible to take this HSV survey. If you are having issues with starting the survey, please use Google Chrome. Um, the main issue that's come up is that if you're on a mobile device and you click to begin the survey, uh, you're unable to do anything on the screen. It's like it's frozen, but there's a tiny, barely visible blue box to the right of the screen. Mm -hmm. Press that and then you can begin to answer questions for the survey. Mm -hmm. That's really all I have. I mean, mm -hmm. if people need to talk or share stories or want advice or guidance, I do take one-on-one -on -one calls. I ask that everyone make a donation. If you are a Patreon subscriber, you have more uh, access to me. I recommend y'all get on there now before the price change. 
Um, and yeah, that's, mm -hmm. that's, that's it. That's all I got. Okay. Well, you might have room for one more. So the second thing that I ask of you that we always do is, do you have any last sex tips for our audience? Yeah. Um, expanded beyond intercourse. Um, I went to Dr. Donahue, um, had a keynote for the Sexual Health Alliance last weekend. Shout out to him and shout out to the Sexual Health Alliance. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that stood out to me the most was that there is so much more of an expansive definition of sex. And there's a lot of ways that you can engage with not just the genitals, but feeling pleasure in the body. It doesn't have to be limited to our genitals. We have whole bodies that can experience pleasure through touch, arousal through conversation and through sensations of smells and taste, as well as, you know, touch and feeling and sounds, right? So I, I encourage people to explore these things and to not exclusively relate their pleasure to their genital region or uh, in relation to a partner or a thing. You know, find different ways to stimulate yourself and use the arousal, uh, so to speak. I love that. Yeah, that sounds definitely right from Dr. Chris Donahue. He was in the Queering Up Sex episode of this podcast. So if all that sounds good to you and you haven't listened to it already, you can go there. Courtney, thank you so much for being on here. Uh, again, well worth it, uh, as always. I'm so glad we met on the internet years ago. Now we get to be real in life, in real life friends. Thank uh, you. I am so glad that we met as well. I was telling somebody, I was like, yeah, I think it's been about four years when I had you on my podcast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And some people are probably, well, I know some people because they've asked, like when I brought you, I was like, I'm going to bring you to a Portland strip club. And some of the girls were like, is that your man? And I was like, no, but he's pretty cute. Like he's available. <laughs> so I love that the, there's somewhat of a, Courtney, people wonder if we're lovers. Oh, that can be our secret. Let it, let it be mysterious. Let it be mysterious. <laughs> Otherwise, you'll see us at the food carts around Portland and look him up on Instagram and TikTok, Courtney Brame underscore. And you can find me, lstanger.com. I never did find what is the name. Now I got to look it up. What is my own TikTok handle? L O L P D X. So it's like my name. And then I think it's a. I don't know if it's a zero or an O, but anyway, look me up, LOLPDX. The more people follow me, the more I'll post on there. See the funny vibrator video. All right. Until next time, thank you for listening to the Talk Sex Podcast. All right. Woo!